another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing welcome to a very special episode of and another thing the podcast that continues to set records around the world and then as we always do we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. And my name is Tony Clement. Happy 100th. Well, you kind of, I was going to like do a little teaser oh, thing there. Oh, a teaser. Oh, shoot. Yeah. But of course you jump <laughs> right into it. Yes, I Now have. it is our 100th episode. We, uh, Tony, you would know this because you're more on the admin side of things when it comes <laughs> to our staff. Um, when was our first episode then? <laughs> do you know the date? I th- it wasn't in November of 2019. I thought it was October, but maybe you're right. Maybe yeah, it was November. It's somewhere around there. It's it's all a bit uh, in like I wasn't keeping good records uh, back then, I must say. But we we started off then. You had this idea that we could do a podcast together, and I went I went to Peterborough. Did I go to Peterborough first time? Yeah, 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 yeah. You went to Peterborough. Yeah. Um, this might be a bad segue, but just you brought it up about bad records. And did what was your record keeping like when you headed up the treasury board? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. It wasn't bad then, was it? No, no, absolutely no, not. not. We had the auditor general, Jody. It's okay. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of guests lined up for this special episode. We're just going to be having a lot of fun telling some stories and having our guests share a little bit about what their experiences were like on our show. But I know, Tony, um, you might not want to read it all, but we read, we received a very nice handwritten letter from another podcast that follows us. And I don't know why they follow us, uh, follow us as closely as they, do, as they do, but the Hurley Burley, is that correct? They wrote a letter? Yes, they did write a letter. I don't Congratulating know. Congratulating us? Yeah, they wanted to congratulate us. Uh, it was signed by Scott and Jenny and uh, David. Uh, they were they were very excited for us. They, they, well, we, they love we our show. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. I feel bad because I don't, <laughs> I don't even know how many episodes they've done, but I'm sure. I don't know either. Uh, does anybody? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, okay, let's get to our first guest, I'll let you introduce him, Tony, because uh, he's a good friend of yours and he's a good friend of the show, and and uh, I'm excited to talk to him again. So, yeah, I know uh, Steve Pakin obviously is is our first guest, uh, and uh, I've known Stephen since uh, I was in university days. Uh, he covered me as a as a budding reporter, and I was a I was a, a kind of a pre politician politician. And uh, we got to know each other when I was in provincial politics, and he's been at TV Ontario, what, Steve, since 1992 or something? I don't know. That is exactly right. Yeah, 1992 is right. 1992. <laughs> he was at CBC before that. Uh, man, many people may not remember that. But yes, at TV I don't Ontario. remember that. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's almost, you're almost at your 30th anniversary. Oh, my gosh. Is that right? I guess that's right, isn't it? Yeah. 30 years right. almost. Yeah, so congratulations. Welcome to our program. You were on our show on January the 10th, 2020. So that was pre that was a pre-covid show. Mm-hmm. We talked about provincial politics and politics in general, but it just seems like a century ago at this point, doesn't it? <laughs> a century ago. Well, speaking of century, that's a good mark that you guys have hit. So congratulations to you for hitting the century mark. That's a, that's a real achievement in this podcast game where I, I don't know what percentage of podcasts get started and and never see 
20 shows, let alone 100 shows. So good for you for notching that one on your belt, guys. Did you well know done. that there's 100,000 new podcasts a month? Oh, my goodness. And do you listen to all of them, Tony? You no, probably do. I, I don't, but you're <laughs> on my list. You're, you're tell, tell us about, you better advertise your podcast now. Do it. Well, that's very kind of you. And in fact, I don't know how many episodes we got. I think we're a little bit ahead of you guys. Uh, not too many, though. Uh, we do something called the On Poly podcast. On Poly, of course, O-N-P-O-L-I, being the hashtag on Twitter for Ontario politics. So we being TVO, uh, we follow politics in O. We follow politics in Ontario. And, and of course, when there's a federal election, we tend to focus uh, very much on the 120 one seats in the province of Ontario, and what they will say. So, but I, I tell you, I've always had a question for you guys, and that is, um, and Jody, you will be uniquely qualified to answer this question, so maybe I should ask it of you. The records that you guys always set and then break, <laughs> what, what are those records exactly? Because you're never very specific about that, and I really want to know. <laughs> well, it's, look, we're, but you know, you know that Tony and I, especially Tony, are very, Humble, so this isn't the type of thing that we would <laughs> typically just put out there. But usually, it's records when it comes to listenership, and then records for financial gain, so <laughs> yeah. revenues that we generate. You know, people paying us to do the show. So, but I, I thought, to be fair, there there are personal records. <laughs> yeah, I did. I thought it was like you guys go into your into your personal stash of LPs, and you find oh, you wow. find those records. Oh, wow. And then you get a hammer and you break those and records. Break those records. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. to me, that's, well, I mean, that's how you can certainly be assured of, of increasing your numbers every week. Right. So Steve, that's... it's Steve, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, we wish you all the best. And uh, no, you know what though, Steve, I do want to, you mentioned your on Polly uh, podcast and this, I want to talk a little bit about politics with you because this is something that Tony and I were chatting about the other day. And I'd love for you to have some, thoughts on this. And I'm going to quickly set the stage here because I don't know if you know this. Um, in 2003, when I was a young, naive, brash individual, I ran for the New Democrats under Howard Hampton. And I was going back watching some old footage of some of my campaign events. And I found some footage of a couple debates. And then I found some footage of Howard at a press conference. And I think it was the 07 election. I don't know if you remember this, but Howard got very upset that everybody oh, yeah. was talking about faith-based schools. And he started going on about how, does nobody care that our older people are in soiled diapers and that we're the child poverty we're, and all that going on? And I can remember that passion in Howard, I'm speaking about myself, that I loved that. And I actually modeled all my, the way my mannerisms, the way he spoke because the passion was so strong. But Obviously, it never translated into support because I think he might have been a, t a little too aggressive. But I'd love for you to share some thoughts on Howard Hampton because I was looking back at that and it just brought back some amazing memories. Well, first of all, let me say uh, I salute your your attempts to get elected. I, I think anybody who's got the guts to put their name on a ballot and I never would. So anybody who does have that guts, I, I take my hat off to them. We have to remember that probably 80, if not more, percent of the people who run for office lose and yet they run anyway because they think they've got something to say and something to contribute. So um, <clears throat> I take my hat off to you for that, Jody. Well done. Uh, I, and in fact, it, you know, running for the New Democrats in the part of Ontario in which you ran, uh, you know, w would hardly have been, uh, you know, a mission guaranteed to, to oh, end yeah. in success. Yeah. So, again, all the more reason why you deserve respect for, for doing what you did. Um, I remember very well the incident you're talking about with Howard Hampton, and I, I, I think he'd 
got to the point where it was sort of the end of a day. And, and for whatever reason, the media were asking yet again about this faith-based public funding issue that uh, was on the public's agenda because of John Tory, the then conservative leader, uh, putting it there. And, and Mr. Hampton just had had enough. He had just had enough of whatever it was that he wanted to talk about but was unable to penetrate the public's consciousness because for whatever reason, you know, that was a one-issue election campaign and, and it wasn't poverty that was the issue, it wasn't housing that was the issue, it wasn't uh, substandard welfare payments that was the issue. Um, it, it was faith-based, um, you know, funding, faith-based school funding. And, and Howard really did... Um, I think to the to the extent that he had a moment in that election, that was it. That was the moment where he looked at all the members of the media and he said, basically, what's wrong with you people? Don't you give a damn? Don't you care about anything? Don't you care about the fact that? And then he gave that litany of of um, of things that were, uh, in his judgment, uh, certainly inadequately dealt with by the government and needed to fix. I have a, a little cute Howard Hampton story, if I can share it. It'll be very brief. Yeah. But I remember Howard campaigning. I don't know if it was in that election or the one prior to it, but you know, and Tony, you, you, um, I don't know if you're like this, Tony, or not, but many politicians that I've known over the years um, are, are notorious for never carrying money. They just never carry money. That's Tony. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony. And they just sort of assume that um, if they need a meal or they need a beverage or they need whatever, that they, you know, they'll go up, they'll beg for a, a couple of bucks from one of their staffers, and, and that's, <laughs> that's how it's going to get handled. Well, I remember Howard Hampton canvassing on the street in Toronto Danforth. So he's on the Danforth, and he's shaking hands with people along the street, and he is about to approach, I can see, he's about to approach a homeless person who is sitting on the sidewalk. And for whatever reason, he is blocked from getting to his staff uh, for whatever reason, the media is in the way or something like that. And I can see that Howard is about to walk by a homeless person. And if I know Howard the way I know most politicians, he hasn't got a toonie in his pocket to help this poor fella out. So Howard looks at me and I looked at Howard and I knew exactly what he needed at that moment. That's great. And, and it was a very human moment because I just made a decision I'm not going to show this guy up in front of all the media there that he's going to walk by a homeless guy and and not put, uh, you know, a, a, a loony or a toonie in his cup. Hmm. So with nobody looking, very surreptitiously, I reached into my own pocket. I pulled out a couple of loonies or toonies or whatever it was. I very, very quietly and secretly stuck them in Howard's hand. And then as Howard walked by the homeless person, he was able to drop those coins in the cup and he moved on. Now, wow. did I do the right thing or did I do the wrong thing? Uh, I, I'm sure there would have been some media outlets that would have loved to see Howard Hampton walk by a guy and not have anything to put in his cup and say, oh, what a hypocrite this guy was. Yeah. And I think that would have been drawing the wrong conclusion because Howard was not a hypocrite. He cared about that kind of issue deeply. He's just like most politicians, a guy who walks around without any money in his pocket. So I thought all's well that ends well. And um, we never spoke of it again, mm. but I saw the look in his eye and he was grateful. That's that's a great story. I, I just for the record, I always carried a hundred dollars in my wa wallet when I was a politician. Did you spend it though? No, no, I never <laughs> spent it. It was a safe hundred. Was it, was it, a, it was a third party out of state check though. That's, the, uh, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
<laughs> I remember being in Moscow with my chief of staff and I didn't have any rubles and he had, he was uh, quite upset that he had to spend 60 rubles on my behalf. That That's the only story I have there. <laughs> well, all the way from John F. Kennedy, who never carried money, to Pierre Trudeau, who never carried money. I'm, I'm writing a book about John Turner right now. And some of the funniest stories I remember talking to Mr. Turner about was the two of them were actually great friends, John Turner and uh, Pierre Trudeau. And they went out for dinner frequently as friends and sometimes with their wives as well. And somehow when it came time to paying the bill, uh, Mr. Trudeau always ended up in the bathroom and Mr. Turner always ended up with his hand on his wallet. Yeah. And, and I remember Mr. Turner always joking, you know, guy was a great guy to have dinner with, but he never paid, never he reached never for his paid. wallet when he was with me ever. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. You got to stare those people down, you know, you, that's, the, <laughs> that's the only way to do it. Yeah. It's just, hard for the well, finance minister to stare down the prime minister. Though. Yeah. When he comes back from the bathroom, the, the, the check is still, uh, the, the bill is still <laughs> there on the table and there's nothing there. Oh, hey, so what, what else are you up to? You're writing a book then, another book. Yeah, well, I did that Bill Davis book about five or six years ago, and, you know, it was a big one, and it took a lot out of me, and I just thought, okay, that's it. And then um, I didn't really have anything else I wanted to write about, but after John Turner died, which was almost exactly a year ago, it was September 19th mm -hmm. of last year, mm -hmm. after he died, a number of his colleagues approached me and said, you know, John Turner led a consequential life. Um, there have been sort of... I guess a couple of official story type biographies on his life, but, but nothing that really gets in their view, nothing that really got below the surface and, and really intimately looked at his life. And, uh, you know, I, I knew him a little bit. Our birthdays were very close together. So we used to go on our birthdays uh, every year for lunch and I knew him a little bit and um, we liked each other. He had an absolutely shockingly Shakespearean, uh, public life from being uh, sort of like our version of John F. Kennedy, just absolutely gorgeous and handsome, up and coming, uh, always a future leadership prospect to a guy who resigned as finance minister um, September 10th, 1975, I think was the date on that one, and then went to the private sector, made a lot of money, but heard the call, right? Tony, mm -hmm. you know what that's all about. He heard I the do. call to come back into public life, and he did come back into public life. Uh, now, for him, uh, it didn't work out well. He led the Liberals to two consecutive losses to Brian Mulroney's Progressive Conservatives. But then he had kind of a final decade of his life where he sort of, you know, portrayed himself as the as the champion of the backbencher, you know, as the as the person who cared a lot about Parliament and the the rights and privileges and responsibilities of the average MP against the power of the Prime Minister's office, and that that sort of championing of democracy, which he did in his you know, into his 80s and into his 90s. Right. I think right. that gave his life purpose at the end. And so there's a lot to talk about there. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. That's I'm halfway great, through writing. Story. It should be out next year. I, I went to the convention that uh, crowned him as uh, as a party leader on a, on a media pass given to me by Conrad Black. Oh, for goodness sakes. Yeah, I covered that convention. Yeah, that was I was in June I was, of 1984. I was, I was there for the Alberni Sun-Times. <laughs> I was actually a, a, a law student and a conservative, but I wanted to go to the convention and that's the way I did it. I think Nigel Wright did exactly the same thing. So there you <laughs> go. Pal, I was there. Your pal, John Baird, was a voting delegate at the leadership review in 1986 after Mr. Turner lost that first election. And you'll be glad to know that Mr. Baird voted against review. He voted for Mr. Turner continuing and, and have some lovely stories from John Baird for the book. Um, you know, John says, uh, always liked him, 
They always yeah. got along. They always respected each other. I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Always yeah. respected John Turner's commitment to public life and what he attempted to do. Um, so, well, Steve you Bacon, go. it's it's uh, you're you've, you're leading a, a, an amazing life. You are writing another book about uh, a Canadian Prime Minister, and you're on and another thing podcast. Does it get better than that? I don't know. I don't think so. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Good talking to you guys, and here's to the next 100. Okay, we continue with our 100th episode of And Another Thing. Thanks again to Steve Pakin for sharing some of his political stories. Man, he's got some good ones. Eh, he's Tony? got some good ones. He should write his own memoirs, I think, at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure at some point someone will have him do that. Actually, speaking of which, remember we... Was it when we were golfing and I said to you, will you ever write a book? That's right. You did ask. And your answer was? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's yeah, right. like a lot of work. <laughs> what if someone paid you like massive amounts of money? Oh, I like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Oh, you know, JK Rowling sort of oh, yeah, yeah, numbers, yeah. right? <laughs> Would you maybe like a, another installment in the Harry Potties, Potter series? <laughs> Harry right. Potty, yeah. the Harry Potty series. Yes. Yeah, there we go. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm up to these days. The Harry Potter series featuring <laughs> Tony Clement. There we go. Um, okay. We're going to continue with guests joining us on this 100th episode. And we're excited to introduce uh, a woman who was the most downloaded guest on our show. Yes. Of all the episodes we've had, uh, we're excited to welcome her back. Danielle Smith. Danielle, thanks for joining us. Kind of last minute, Woo-hoo. but we yeah. appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. I, I was surprised that you asked me because you have real celebrities on your show. And I'm you, not really you, a celebrity. I'm kind out. of a nobody, right? Like I'm a has-been. No. Well, we had a lot of feedback on your appearance. And I think a lot of people, it was, I mean, it was either they loved to disagree with it or they loved to agree with it. But either way, they wanted to listen. And no joke, you were the most downloaded guest uh, since the show began. And today we just want to have a little bit of fun. We know you're time is valuable uh, just a little bit of fun banter some back and forth and the first thing i want to ask you know to keep it really light is does aaron o'toole need to go no <laughs> gosh no i can't believe you'd even ask that you know what it is no what, is it? what is it about conservatives that if, if somebody doesn't have instant success the knives come out and we say we've got to get rid of that one we always have this idea that there's some perfect leader waiting in the wings i think aaron o'toole deserves another chance wow so you would have said you would have said andrew Shear deserves another chance though. i certainly did Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, she did, he, got, actually. Yeah. he got the highest, he got a higher percentage of the vote. I mean, here, I'm of the view that first past the post, the electoral system we have, that's what's got to go. Because how can we have a plan? I mean, you saw Gerald Butts tweet out right after the election that it's their strategy to try to get the maximum number of seats with the minimal amount of popular vote. So they're gaming the system and they're kind of proud of the fact that they've managed to master this, that they, they get 32% of the vote and 158 seats. And that's that's not the way the system is supposed to work, in my opinion. So you know, I, think now, I, was a, I was not really in favor of uh, proportional representation or mixed, uh, mixed proportional. But you know what? I 
and uh, you know, I, I just, I just think that uh, we've got to have some way of recognizing popular vote. Uh, you know, that that would help. Uh, it would help other parties like PPC and and the Green Party. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 also look, we're we're not in an island. There are many countries that have a, a mixed system now. Uh, so yeah. it's you not know it's yeah. Strange. You know, it's funny. You know, it's funny, Tony and Danielle, maybe you can weigh in on this, too, because I can remember. So I ran for the NDP the second time in the show. I've mentioned that now. I know you seem to be very proud of it right now. No, it's because it's relevant. But as you can imagine, for the NDP, they were always pushing uh, various systems of proportional representation, whether it was mixed member, rank ballot, all that stuff. And I think Fair Vote Canada was a big, big lobbyist for that. And then when I ran for the conservatives, it was kind of like that angle was squashed. And I was I never felt comfortable putting it down, but I always did because that was the messaging. Because I, I actually thought there was some merit in it. So when I hear Tony, you mentioned that, you know, you're coming around to it is what I'm hearing. Maybe yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I believe, I think that there the, the system does have to be changed. And I think that, you know, I don't know what the complete answer is, but it is a conversation that needs to be had. And I hope that conservatives aren't, simply going to say, no, it has to stay the way it is. No, I think the conservatives should lead it. And, you know, look at, because look what would have happened. So we've got Annamie Paul, who now had, having such a short time as leaders, now moved from that position. And if we did have a mixed type of system where you had a portion that was direct by vote and representing a constituency and then a portion on party list, she would still be in the parliament, as would as would Maxime Bernier. Right. And so I think we'd end up with a much better representation and the ability for some of those smaller parties to get a toehold. I guess I'm just of the view that I don't think the conservative movement and the conservative coalition is stable. I think that you have to run one way to win the leadership in uh, the the base of conservatism in Alberta, and then you have to abandon Alberta in order to win in Quebec. And that's what ends up creating this constant division and they come together and then they fall apart. So I think we just have to recognize that conservatism is different in different parts of the country. Maybe that's okay. Maybe we need different parties representing it. And then they come together in a coalition yep. if they can if they can work it out. Yep, that's what they do in Germany, by the way. Uh, or at least the uh, the conservatives do in Germ- Germany. They have the uh, Christian Democratic Union in most of the country, but in Bavaria they have the Christian Social Union, which is a lot more conservative. And then they they form a coalition, and then they usually have the Free Democrats who are part of their coalition, and so on. So you, you have to sort of patch together this quilt in order to govern. And it, it's, you know, Germany's a stable country. There's, it's not as if there's crazy stuff going on in Germany. Well, how long did uh, Angela Merkel end up being chancellor Six, for? 16 had, years. They yeah. had, that's that's about as, as stable as you can get. Where else in the world have you had the same yeah, leader right. stay in power for 16 years? Yeah. So Miss, there's Mississauga. <laughs> Mississauga. <laughs> Touche. That's, that's Hazel, right? Is she still yeah. there? Yeah. No, she's she's gone, but she's. I think she still thinks she's running it. But you yeah, know, she, pretty much. <laughs> we had we had her successor Bonnie Crombie on our show at one point, but that's uh, right. Uh, no, we, uh, Hazel's still a force to be reckoned with for sure. That is a tough act to follow. My yeah. goodness, following yeah. a really popular leader like that. Exactly. So Danielle, what are you up to? What are you doing? Uh, well, I'm doing business advocacy now. I'm doing as much alternative media as I possibly can. I love the fact that you guys have made it to a hundred episodes because to me, 
uh, that's where all the interesting conversation is taking place is outside the mainstream. I, I, I wish that we had as robust and diverse a uh, commentary in mainstream media as you guys have here. I mean, the fact that you've got former conservative, former NDP candidate able to sit in the same room together and talk to each other, that, that, that doesn't Jody's actually happen in most places. Now. He's a and that's more... just me. That's just me that she's talking about. <laughs> I know, I know. Former I NDP and former conservative. Oh, I see. And then yeah, there's yeah. Tony, who's a former conservative. <laughs> you almost well, like we... your split personality. Yeah, exactly. But we've had Charlie Angus on, and, you know, we've, we've had quite a – a collection, Scott Bryson, you know, they're all there. They're all there. Yeah. We don't and like to leave be. the lefties out. Well, that's the way it should be. You should actually be able to talk to everyone from every political perspective. Michael and then Corrin. Be able... Yeah, but Michael Corrin won't come back on. We no, did I know. Piss him. We, we won't, we piss won't him tread off. that ground again. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad you're doing that, Danielle. I think it's so important that we do have a robust media. We, we, we've talked about this with Candace Malcolm. We've talked about it with Holly Doan. Um, uh, the three very important uh, females in our country. Uh, it, maybe it's being led by by women uh, and a few men, I'm sure. But uh, congratulations on what you're doing. Well, thank you for that. I wonder what you think is going to happen, though. I mean, I I think that the the world kind of fell apart from a commentator point of view when the social media ended up taking over, and I don't know if we're seeing any more responsible commentary happening on any of those platforms. But no, I, well, I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, when I look at the U S Joe Rogan is yes. like number one by far and he's not, he, he would never have gotten, he de- didn't go to journalism school. He didn't uh, work at the yeah. Washington post. None of that. Right. And this is, but isn't that a problem? You know, I always, I loved journalism because I didn't come from the journalism side of things. But when I entered journalism back in the olden days, it was so funny because it was at Post Media. And prior to that, it was the Southern chain. Everyone thought it was an outrage that Conrad Black, this arch conservative, owned newspapers. And when I think back to the glory days of journalism, it was actually under somebody who loved the practice of journalism and the craft of journalism, someone like like Conrad Black. And what has happened, um, I think, unfortunately, is that we now have more advocacy journalism, that you're, journalism is supposed to be you listen to the left, you listen to the right. And then you get sort of a third party in the middle commenting on which side they think has the most merit. So people can make their own judgment. I'm not sure we're getting much of that anywhere anymore, unfortunately. And I I think we're losing the ability to discern. And discernment is very important. I hope it makes a comeback. (laughs) Thanks for being on our program. It's great to touch base. We continue with the 100th episode of And Another Thing. Jody Jenkins, Tony Clement. Also, don't forget to find us online at andanotherthingpodcast.ca. Does that sound right, Tony? Yeah, that's right. And all 100 episodes are there. Yes. Well, yeah, I think you'd have to dig a little bit, but there is an archive for sure. And you will also find links to our amazing supporters and sponsors. The top one being, of course, the crew at Municipal Solutions who have been with us from day one they are our day ones i guess that's like a a slang term when we want to see something really nice they've been down with us since they've been down yeah so we are so appreciative of them and you know perfect segue to go to the man behind municipal solutions john mutton who is a two-time guest on the show and also he has been i think one for sure 
two, maybe definitely one in the top five for most downloaded shows. And his other appearance might be in the top 10, but he's definitely very close. So he has the, uh, the distinction of being, you know, one of the two-time guests that has such a, a high listenership. Actually, is he our only two-time guest? No. Uh, Who else? Dave uh, Dave Wilkins, the former ambassador oh, from the Oh, yes. Yes. Well, John totally eclipses his appearance. Yeah, that's right. I'll tell you yeah, that right, right now. So, But, John, welcome welcome back to the show, and thanks for being such a, a big supporter. Thanks, guys. I feel like I'm OG now if you're going to use all those slang terms. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What gynecology got to do with this? <laughs> that's that's O B G Y N there. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, congratulations on your hundredth show. I tell you, that's uh, it, it. Time flies, and it's uh, you know, it, it's something that I look forward to always uh, every week when when you guys. And it's so interesting, you know, from one thing to another. It's always a great show. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday, Tony came into my office and had the idea. And I said, get out of the building. Yeah, that yeah. isn't how it works. No. <laughs> no, no, you were, you were the one who came up with the idea, Jody. Come on, let's be real. But does, does Anna listen to the show as well? Your wife, Anna? Yeah, she puts it on and um, she goes, um, you had a picture of a microphone uh, on your, um, uh, on your Instagram uh, one time. And she goes, Oh, there's Tony with the microphone and Jody with the coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, you know, what's funny is that we've, I always joke about this because we talk about you a lot because we obviously give a lot of attention to our prime sponsor at municipal solutions. Uh, check them out at municipalsolutions.ca. But you know, we've in our hundred episodes, John, you've done a lot in your life. I mean, I feel like, you know, we watched your ho- house get built. Yes. Uh, I've seen you join the Albany club. Um, yes. you know, I've, I've lived bike here. I haven't gone to the gym, but I feel okay because you've gone more than enough than I need to. So I, I feel better that way. But like a lot has gone on and Anna, like a lot has gone on in your life. Yeah. A lot has gone on. Plus, plus the movie, it, it must be close to release, John. Yeah. The movie's really close to release. So I'm in this movie called the blood slinger and it was a hundred percent filmed in Durham region. And uh, they filmed it at um, Dockville wild West um, uh, movie studio in Newcastle. You can see it when you're going up to one fifteen. And um, so I'm uh, really excited about uh, that movie to come out. It got, there was a little bit of problems between the, uh, the producer and the director. And finally they put all the, um, the music to it. So it's, it's a Western horror. So it's going to be out soon. And it just so happens I play the marshal in it, but I'm, you don't know I'm the marshal t- near the end. I'm, I'm a bad marshal. I'm actually the, uh, the hitman for the, um, the mafiosa type of guy in the Wild West. So, how many guys do you blow away in this movie? Well, you see me on screen blowing away a lady, which is, uh, yeah, I know. Imagine, imagine if you had to go run for political office after. Yeah, movie, <laughs> you'd be right? in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. But it was fun doing the. It was really fun doing the movie. Got to work with a guy by the name of. Robert Miano and Robert's been in every one of those mafia movies and he's just Seriously. an amazing actor, amazing actor and a lot of new up and coming actors in it as well. So it was a lot of fun. I'm supposed to be doing another one. Um, I'm hoping that I get a, Holy a I'm hoping I'm get a, a, a scene where I actually talk and don't have to be a bad guy all the time, but I've been in a few music videos, as you know, Tony, and I'm always playing the bad guy, Jody. I don't know why they always want. Why is that? 
Is it the beard or is it, is it the muscles? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, but uh, I'm far from being the bad guy, but I guess I can play it. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, that's very, uh, talk about living vicariously. That's, that's great that your movie career is going and you've got your businesses and you've got some of the public policy work you're doing. And, uh, I, and are you still, uh, helping some, uh, music talents? Are you still doing that? Uh, yes, actually. Um, and I was just, uh, it's really funny because I, um, uh, was recently talking to, um, uh, an artist by the name of Sarah Jezebel Diva, and she was one of the original female singers with a um, um, a UK um, metal band called Cradle of Filth. And uh, but she, but she sings uh, she sings symphonic metal. And um, the reason that I connected with her is because uh, one of the the uh, female singers that replaced her they're they're totally out of the UK these guys, but is a singer from Oshawa by the name of Lindsay Schoolcraft who sings symphonic metal as well. So this was a huge thing, and, and you know they sell uh, perform in uh, full stadiums in uh, in the UK when there's no COVID, and uh, so it was really cool because Lindsay's from Oshawa, this uh, girl lives in uh, London, and they're both like. I guess what you call metal goddesses, but they don't, it's not like crazy singing. It's like really symphonic, like, like uh, Evanescence and Amy Lee. Okay. So Evanescence style. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, and what I learned um, uh, from her as well is she's a fan of my daughter because my daughter, as you know, is two time world Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion. And um, Sarah does uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu in, uh, in England as well. So, so uh yeah well, we've got to have uh, them both we got to get them both on the show uh, both of them i know we tried to get your daughter on the show yeah so earlier. my daughter just opened up um uh, a new club called oshawa brazilian jiu-jitsu her and her husband did and she fights in two weeks for what they call no gi world champion in dallas so Ooh. that's where you don't wear the kimono it's like yeah. um it's like the ufc so she fights for that one in two weeks so after that when she comes back hopefully with the world championship would be a good time to to do the interview. Yeah. And, and you know what? I got to tell you something about uh, public policy. And it's over the past two weeks, I was thinking, I don't know why, but I have so many people calling me on Conservation Authority-related issues right now. We've got conservation authorities that have, um, that have come in on businesses that have been 30 years, 35 years, um, which you would believe to would be uh, grandfathered for, um, perhaps overstepping their um, uh, what they would believe is their footprint, um, encroaching in uh, maybe environmental areas, and some of them are right beside heavy-duty industrials, so there's no environmental area there. But I kind of wonder what's going on right now with respect to the conservation authorities making this push. It just can't be a fluke mm -hmm. that I've had a dozen calls on conservation authorities over the past little while. I think they're really mm -hmm. trying to push the envelope and especially after the premier um, cut some of their wings for um, pushing way beyond their mandate. And uh, so I think there's a bit of a pushback there. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how that works in public policy over the next uh, over the next few months to a year, because there is a war between um, logical development and conservation authorities um, overstepping their bounds right now. Well, I'm glad that you're involved in that. That seems like a, a worthy enterprise. Uh, you're a busy guy, John. It's it's great that you you've supported our show uh, uh, for months now, 
And uh, you've just been always there for And Another Thing podcast. We really appreciate it. Well, it gave me you're the only thing I could do when I was stranded in Poland for seven yeah, I, years. That's I right. Listen to all the reruns. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. You were uh, st- stranded in a shopping mall in Poland for, I don't know. How long. <laughs> yeah. They gotta, there's got to be a movie over that about that. Exactly. But it wasn't exciting because we had the, the lockdown. So. Well, yes. we really appreciate it, my friend. No problem. I always enjoy being on your show, enjoy sponsoring the show, and your guests are uh, phenomenal. Well, we're going to continue on, that's for sure. Right, Jody? That's right. Thanks, John. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. guys. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks to all our guests, 100 episodes. Uh, obviously, John Mutton, who we just heard from, Steve Pakin, and Danielle Smith. And you know what? To be honest, Tony, we could have had 97 other guests. No, wait, 96 other guests. 96 other guests, exactly. But uh, we and... appreciate all the support we got from our guests. And, of course, we appreciate the support of you, the listeners. We always get great feedback. It's fantastic, and uh, we really do appreciate it. It makes it all worthwhile. And now is the point in the show when we slowly list off the guests that we had that sucked. So we'll start with you, Tony, if you could just name names. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a vow of silence right now. Oh, man. But it is, you know what? It's impressive how... Many people reach out to us and say that they love listening, and uh, it's nice. Yeah, it still surprises me because I got to be honest. I, when we started this, it was more of just a labor of love, you know, being in the radio world and and looking for you know an outlet for some of our creativity and and uh, yourself with your political insight. I, I didn't see it as much more than having some fun, but it's actually grown. And who knows? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of directors and producers that are trying to figure out how they can do a big screen version of our lives. It's true. It's true. And uh, maybe uh, John Mutton could star in it too. (laughs) Maybe the blood slinger, the blood slinger. I wonder if there's a movie already with that name though. And another thing. I, you never know. Like uh, it's uh, look, we, we, we were newbies. We didn't know that there were other podcasts and another thing, but that's okay. (laughs) But we have the best jingle out of the bunch. Absolute. And another thing. Earworm. Anyway, all right. Well, here's to 100 more, Tony. I'm looking forward to it, and we'll do this again in seven days. You betcha.